0: Welcome to Inside Today's Country, the show that gets the real stories from today's country stars, stories you haven't heard anywhere else. Your host is Tim Black. Tim has been on the radio interviewing the biggest stars in the business and discovering new talent for more than 20 years, and now in his very own podcast. Are you ready? Let's go Inside Today's Country. This week on Inside Today's Country, we catch up with newcomer Owen Barney. He's got a brand new single out called Thank Her For That. And Owens quite the storyteller as well.
1: So me and my brother when we were young we w- we wanted a an edgewater with a 40 on it which is it was like a boston whaler kind of.
0: We'll find out more about Owen and his boat and more as we go inside today's country next.
1: Thank you for the sunshine. Go with a little lime. since you left them on
0: Here we go with inside today's country, and Owen Barney joins us on the Zoom. And we were just talking uh, the fact that uh, you're not a tech guy, Owen.
1: No, sir. Never been a big tech. You know what? I was always good with TVs though. When I was a, when I was a young guy, like we we do family movie night every Friday, so we'd order pizza or whatever. Um, we watch a movie, and nobody could ever figure out how to use the TVs except <laughs> me. So, are you the guy that, that
0: hooked up the VCR to the TV, or what?
1: Oh, sir, I did what had to be done, to say the least. <laughs> um, we were—I—I I was never—I'm never, not a big phone guy, which, Okay. it uh, comes down to the TVs. Yeah. I'm your
0: man. You I'm your it. man. Well, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you for uh, for sharing that little uh, little bit with us. Uh, let's find out a little bit about uh, Owen and uh, where this all started for you.
1: Uh, so I, my dad, when I was about seven years old, I always—I always had a thing for music. Anytime. My parents were big. They loved music. So any we'd we'd go out for dinner, or whatever. They'd find a place that has someone singing music, and I'd sit there, like face just like a, like a caged animal, like right mm-hmm. in front of the stage, just staring at these people. But no matter who it was, no matter what it was, it was he always guitar though? Always sat in front of the guitar player because I'm a guitar man myself, and I I believe that's why. I just knew when I was a kid, I was like, that's that's the idea, you know. And so my dad he had an old guitar in the basement. I still has one of my favorite guitars. It sounds beautiful. It's a, it's a vantage. It's it's a Japanese guitar. It's from like the sixties and they made them well back then. Mm -hmm. It it, Mm -hmm. it sounds beautiful. Sounds Mm -hmm. beautiful. Um, So I found that and I was like, dad, you know what, what, what's this old thing? And he knew a couple, I wouldn't call him a guitar player, but he played the guitar. Um, He showed me a few chords. He showed me, uh, he showed me how to play helpless by Neil Young. That was the first song I ever learned. Yeah. And then after that, my neighbor actually had a guitar teacher. So my mom was kind of like, okay, uh, you know, this boy, he can play the guitar a little bit. So why don't you come by and hear what he has. And I came, he came by and listened to me play a few things. And he, he immediately said, he'd take me And the first, I'll never forget the first thing he said to me was don't let your dad teach you anything else. And I was like, okay, got it done. And so from then on for the next like 10 years, I took lessons with a guy named Nick and that got best one of the best men in the world that i've met and one of the best guitar players there is he's such a kind fella he taught me everything i know mm-hmm. um he's about i'd say he's about 70 now or something but oh, it's wow. fun you know i still i still go over to his house for lunch and hang out with him and his wife and he can't really play guitar as much anymore his hands are failing him right uh so i'll go and play all his He's got this beautiful uh martin d35 from like 1967 or something and it's Dude, I've I've never played a guitar that feels and sounds the way that does. I mean, he's got a ton of other guitars. Like I play, he's got this Gibson three three five that I think is it's from like the seventies and it's beautiful, sounds great. So I go over there and I'll play songs for him and stuff and kind of you know show him what I'm working on because when we when we were doing lessons back in the day, I wasn't really a songwriter, right? We we used to learn things like we learned a lot of Bob Seger, we learned a lot of Eagles that sort of stuff. So he would teach me a lot of Neil Young. I was mm-hmm. a big Neil Young fan back then, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm he would teach me that, but mostly he would, you know, put me in the direction of which songs to, to learn. So he'd kind of choose them for me and be like, okay, we're going to do this. I think this would be really good for you. And I kind of liked that. It, 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 it expanded my knowledge of music and made me appreciate other music other than country. Whereas like the countryside of it came from my mom. So my mom's from Edmonton. Okay. Uh, so she grew up all out in Alberta and stuff. So when she came here, I she came here when she was about 17, did, you know, did her thing or whatever, met my dad and here I am. Um, but you know, when we were going to school back in the day, uh, you know, Tim McGraw was on, uh, like Toby Keith, stuff like that. That's kind of what I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. And then from that, I started, you know, finding my own music and I got into the air church kind of stuff. And, uh, then I, you know, started looking at a lot more Canadian artists because being a Canadian fellow myself, I found it very interesting. And the amount of talent that we have is so amazing. Like people like Dean Brody, Dallas Smith, uh, yeah. uh, Brett Kissel, those, those guys are, you know, top-notch, top-shelf kind of fellas. You know, and the songs, especially. You know what, man? The Dean Brody, that guy can write a song. I'll tell you that for free, my friend. the the, the way he writes songs is so interesting and it's so cool. And I was talking to someone a little while ago, and I heard, I heard that he, when he write every song he writes, he he starts by himself, and that's a that's a tough thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I I find it really, it really shows. It really shows how unique his writing is and it it makes his song stand out because it's not, you know, the same writers that are writing for everybody else. It's his vision. And I find that very, I admire that a lot. Yeah. Um, but anyways, you know, I, when I was around 13 or so, we started, my mom and I started looking for plays. She, she, my mom was my biggest fan where I would have no idea where I'd be with a legend, my mom. Um, but she, when, when I was, you know, 12, 13, she, pushed me and said, you know, I think you should start playing places. I think you should try. You know, we know a lot of people um, who own restaurants around here would let me kind of, you know, come in and sing some songs and then we'd start branching out. We'd send emails to, you know, five or six different restaurants and bars and, you know, see which ones would even let me come by to see if I was good enough. And then I'd play for them and they'd let me play. So the first place I ever played, I was, I wasn't quite 13 yet, but I was almost there. And it was this little place called Crossroads. It's in the town of Rosso and it's in the Muskoka area. Mm -hmm. Cause we used to go spend our summers up there. My grandfather's had a cottage up there for about 40 years or so. And my folks got a place around 10 years ago. So we, I'd spend my summers up there just gigging. Um, it, I play like, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every week, get a bit of money in my pocket you know, get comfortable playing in places, especially playing in places like that. That restaurant was not a place where, you know, people really are there for music. They're there to eat their food. It's a great restaurant. You'd mm-hmm. love it. I okay. Um, what's, the their, steak, what's their, dude, bi- the what's their, what's the, the steak?
0: Okay. All right. I was going to ask, what's,
1: the, yeah. what's the big thing? Steak, but I'm, a, I'm a big ravioli. I like pasta. I'm a good pat. And they had this mushroom ravioli. And this was what I would get when I was like 12 years old, this was the, this was the dinner, um, protocol. I'd go, I'd get a root beer. I was a big, I was addicted to pop me and my brother where I've never met anybody who's addicted to pop like that. Um, you know, <laughs> so we get, I would get a root beer, I would get my Caesar salad and my mushroom ravioli. And that was it. Obviously a cake for dessert. Can't go home without a cake. Right. Can't go to bed without dessert. There you so, go. There you go. <laughs> and so anyways, I, I, you know, I started playing there and uh, that I played there for probably two years, so I was about 15. And after, once I was about 15, we started looking for more places in Muskoka to play. So there's a hotel called the Marriott. Mm-hmm. And so I would, used to play in the lobby there and people would walking by. It was kind of near a bar, so people would sit down and listen a bit sort of thing. But um, one time I was there and it was, it was late at night. It was like, I think it was around like 1030 and, you know, people are coming in at the end of the day. They went out for dinner or whatever. They were down by the pool or coming in. Um, and the guy who owns my record label, Jamie Appleby, he was there with his family and he happened to notice me and said, you know, when it stood there up, up against the post for a little bit, watched me from a distance. And then he come up to me, you know, said who he was and said, hey, I'm Jamie Appleby. Um, you know, I own Wax Records sort of thing. And I gave him my information. He gave me his, and we started getting to the talking. And next thing you know, I was working with their artists. Uh, the first writing session I was ever in was cause b- before I started with this label I was never a songwriter I'd never really tried it I was Mm -hmm. I tried it a little bit when I was younger but I just kept coming up with a bunch of stupid stuff and I I kind of packed it away for a little bit and I was like you know I'll just focus on guitar sort of thing you know maybe I'm not a songwriter um and I got into a room with their artist uh, Alyssa Reed and to this day one of my best friends uh one of the best songwriters I've ever been in a room with and I'm lucky to continue to be able to write with her she has taught me everything I know about songwriting and I look up to her very much as a songwriter. Right. Um, this girl, man, like she, she's something out. Like she does things to words that I've never, I've never seen before. I've never heard somebody do that. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a really special thing to see. And so that's when I started writing, I was about 15 and I started, you know, going in and out of sessions, whether it was, you know, I'd have a couple sessions a month, then it would move to a session a week sort of thing. And then about, you know, three years after kind of working with them and, and developing as an artist, getting better at, you know, performing, playing with a band, that sort of thing. We released a single in um, October of 2018, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was Letting Go. And it did, you know, it didn't do nothing at radio or whatever, but it did a lot better than I thought it would at streaming, man. Like when when we released this song, um, I, I thought to myself, oh, you know, we'll get, you know, family and friends will be bumping it for sure. Big time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rack up maybe 10,000 streams if we're lucky. And next thing you know, it was at like a million and a half and in, in no time. And it, it was the best feeling in the world. So we were kind of like, okay, now let's put out an EP. So we put out an EP in the February following that. Um, and then we did about three or four songs and they did well at streaming as well. Still no radio or anything, you know, you get your feature spins here and there, stuff like that. We go on radio tours and mm-hmm. go to stations and all that. And, then we released one more, um, one more EP, and again, it did great at streaming. You know, people seemed to love it. I was playing festivals all summer. Uh, pe- you know, I'd, I'd go place. People would know who I was. People would be there singing the words to my songs, and that was the first time I kind of felt that, you know, people hearing my songs and, and, and appreciating what I had to say, uh-huh. and that was that summer. Uh, and then at the end of that, which would have been uh, beginning of – last like September we released one more single and then the next one we released was this one. Uh, thank her for that. And everyone seemed to just pick it up right away. You know, everyone loved it. It was getting lots of play at radio and continues to, which I'm truly grateful for. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's pretty much, that's pretty much where we are now. All I've been doing the last little while is writing songs as much as I can getting in the studio. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it sucks. You know, I haven't been able to play with the band too much. I played a show for Roots. I do a lot of, I've, I've been doing a lot of work with Roots in the last uh, couple of years and they're great. They treat me very well and they're, they're always super kind and give me some nice dubs to throw on and stuff. Um, but we played a show, well, we, I played a show for them two weekends ago mm-hmm. and that was the first time in the last like, you know, six, seven months that I've got to play with somebody other than myself. Uh, so my buddy Marcel, phenomenal guitar player mm-hmm. um so he's in the band as well it wasn't a full band show but it was just the two of us and it was it was a special feeling to be back up there on stage you don't have people there who are coming from all over to see you
0: I mean, we've been going through a, a wild time right now with, you know, everything that everybody, everybody that we talk to is the whole COVID 19 and, and artists not performing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're fingers and toes crossed that everything will kind of come back, you know, hopefully next year, right? And you'll be able to get out there and uh, do full bands again. But uh, fingers, you know, as I say, fingers and toes crossed.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm hoping for like next summer, you know, to be getting back on the festivals and, mm-hmm. you know, getting on the road a little bit. And there I, I missed cramming myself into the back of the car with the boys and getting out there, getting to the show at like, dude, it's so much fun. Yeah, and you know, driving back at you know, driving to the next show at like midnight, and you get to your hotel and sleep for you know, till noon the next day, and then go to sound check, and it's fun stuff, man.
0: Let's talk about your uh, single that's out right now. Tell me a little story about how it came to be.
1: So we were, we weren't, we weren't looking for the song yet when we wrote it. We were. We just, we got in the room to write a song. And I think that's why it turned out to be such a good song. We didn't go in there and force that. We weren't like, we need to squeeze every bit of life out of this idea that we can. We need to make it the best we can. We just kind of let it happen. When we were in there writing the song, it was, it was, I was with Alyssa, um, as I told you about, and I was with uh, Dwayne from Nashville, uh, Dave Thompson, who's a fantastic writer and amazing producer. He's produced uh, a lot of my stuff. Um, so it was him, uh, me, and Alyssa, and then the owner of the label Jamie Appleby, who plays a huge role in in uh, getting the songs written. He's a phenomenal writer and always has such a clear vision for what we want to do, sort of thing. And it's it's a huge help to me. Uh, but we kind of got in this room, and you know, I was kind of saying, you know, the idea is, you know, we you you broke up with this girl, or she left you, sort of thing, and you kind of thought it was the end of the world, but it turns out to be the best thing ever, and we kind of started off going, you know, where, where are we going to go? Are we going to go on vacation now? What what would we do if we broke up with somebody and we said, you know, we, we thought, you know, we'd go, go to Punta Why not? It's a good spot. And then we kind of just started playing out what would happen and one line pretty much led into the next and it just, it flowed so nicely. And it was such a fun session. There were so many laughs and it was mm-hmm. such a good time. And I think that translates into the song very well. And I think you hear that in the song. I think it's a fun song. I think it's a song that people want to stand up and kind of move around to, you know, a little Mm -hmm. bit, you know, get the legs moving, that sort of thing. But
0: yeah. Owen's first job. What was it?
1: Owen's first job, dude, working at a golf course, believe it or not.
0: All right. How was your golf game?
1: Well, it depends on the day, my friend, (laughs) Uh, you know, I mean, I was, I used to be a, used to be like a, best i would do is like an 87 you know oh wow that that was that was the best i ever did but usually like a steady 92 to 95 nowadays you'd be looking we'd be looking at like 110 here you know 105 i haven't played in a long time i used to play every day man i would because you know up north there was this beautiful course and it was cheap it was for a junior it was 25 bucks so go Mm -hmm. throw the guy a few bucks and grab throw your clubs on your back and you walk 18 holes and i would do that every day by myself and thing for me is i didn't I only worked the golf course for a little bit. Right. So I, cause I didn't need to do that. I made money for my shows. Right. So like, you know, my brother would be at the Marina pumping gas and my sister was young, way younger than us. So it didn't really matter, but I'd have these full days to myself. So I, me and my bro, I'll tell you a funny story. You want to hear a story?
0: Oh yeah. We love stories.
1: So me and my brother, when we were young, we wa- we wanted a, a edgewater with a Forty on it, which is it was like a Boston Whaler kind of thing. Sure. And our parents weren't our parents aren't those type of folks to just be like, oh, here's you know, here's a new boat, boys. Like where it's like you know this up there in the Muskoka, you get tons of folks whose kids are driving around brand new damn boats and most beautiful things out there on the water. And here me, and my brother, are we had a loved it, great. We we started out with this little tin boat and had a six horsepower on it. It was quite the machine. Um, <laughs> but we, we needed something more. We needed just we needed to go a little faster. Yeah. Um, so we started saving up. And my dad, you know, we my dad's a big foot rub guy. He loved back scratch back in the day. So me and you know, me and my brother were rubbing feet, you know, vacuuming the floors whenever we we weren't big, I mean, I'm not a big cleaner. Never have been. But I did my best. And you know, he'd give us a tuny here and there. But we saved up about three and a half grand. And this is at like age age nine to 10 right so this is when you have that kind of money in cash we had this wood box that we had a lock on nobody was going to break into it um but we keep it safe we hid it under my brother's bed and when you have that kind of money man especially when you're addicted to pop like him and i where we all we wanted to do was go to the store go to the gas we had this gas station down the road we used to ride our bikes there and get you know two big two liter bottles of coke and sit on the couch and drain them (laughs) um but we like that's it's hard not to do that every day when you have like three and a half you know grand in, in in your room at that age so yeah, yeah. it was really hard for us to say but we did it man we we are we had a goal and we met it we got we finally got this boat our parents didn't make us pay for the whole thing which was very beautiful um but it was you know it was like it's a really old boat but to this day we still have it oh Runs really like a top oh yeah right on. oh yeah man oh yeah so what i used to do back then is i used to you know i'd throw my clubs in the boat uh my brother would be at work because he worked at the marina, so I'd stop and you know make fun of him or whatever, and get him to fill my boat up with gas, and then I would continue on to the golf course, play 18 holes, and I used to walk it all by myself, listen to my music, and hang out, play some golf, and I got pretty good at it, so I was shooting like 92, 95, and that was pretty much my summers, golfing and hanging out on the water, playing shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday,
0: and wow. that's how I get the money, you know. What do your uh, siblings think about what you're doing?
1: They don't they don't say too much, but I know that, I know they're proud of me because, uh, you know, like my, my brother, every, you know, he, so my brother's an HVAC guy. So he works up, uh, up North for a company just signed on as an apprentice. Mm-hmm. My brothers loves that stuff. I've never, I've never seen somebody get so into it. Like so my dad's an HVAC guy as well. Okay. So they'll get to talking about stuff and they get into it pretty deep, but, um, he's really good at what he does. Um, I'm proud of him for that, but I know he, every day he drives around in his truck with, uh, country radio on every time he's like oh they're they're playing your song the guys in the shop were listening to your song the, uh, yesterday and he, you could see the smile on his face and he's proud and he's you know my big brother and he's like good good on you you know my little sister loves it and her friends seem to think it's cool so
0: right what's your biggest challenge you've had so far
1: biggest challenge I ever had probably is um, there's been a lot of a lot of challenges you know with figuring it's I'd say it started figuring out how to get shows at a young age was was really hard for me. And getting people to not look at me as a child and be like, what's this, you know, twelve year old doing in this bar singing songs and they wouldn't take you seriously sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think for me that's what it was. It was getting past the you know everyone else around here is so much older and has been doing this for so many years and here I am like jumping and being like hey guys like I'm, I'm a little kid and I'm, I'm here to play you know some songs for you or whatever and, mm-hmm. and nobody nobody wants to listen to you a lot of the time and it it, it it makes you want to quit you know it makes you want to not do it anymore but you mm-hmm. kind of gotta you gotta learn to just when nobody's listening you gotta play for yourself and you gotta really love it that much that you can sit there all night and just play your favorite songs over and over again and and just have, put a smile on your face, even though nobody's clapping or nothing like that. That was, I think that was one of the toughest things.
0: Who's on your bucket list to play with in Canada? Who's
1: on my bucket list? Yeah. Um, for me, I would say Dean Brody. If anything, man, if I could get up there and sing like Black Sheep with him, dude, game changer. And why? Like 100%. Because that... Dean Brody's, I've always looked up to him, always thought he had a unique voice. And I always, his whole image, I love it. I love the way he writes songs. I love every song that he writes. Um, and the song Black Sheep, when he released that like a little while ago, at first, if it wasn't Black Sheep, it would be like if we played acoustically and played Time, you know, that song, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Um, if we did that, or like, I have thought this through. Um, <laughs> no, really, I couldn't Black tell. Sheep, Yeah, exactly. When he so when he released that song "Black Sheep," I was like, that song spoke to me. You know, like I was always, I was always the guy. You know, when I was growing up and even in high school and stuff, man. Like I wasn't doing what everyone else was doing. I wasn't going out to parties on Friday and Saturday night. I was in a bar singing songs. I was doing the same thing Saturday. So I didn't. I wasn't hanging out with everybody. I was kind of doing my own thing. And I, I always had this path. I always had this idea in my head and this this drive to kind of want to do just this and nobody else really doing it in that song man I would sing that song on stage with D Brody any day of the week
0: excellent, Owen what's next for you my friend?
1: Um, next plan we're looking forward to releasing the next song it's uh, called Poor Me and it's going to be in early October we haven't nailed down a date yet but probably around second week of October we'll be throwing out another tune and hopefully it does just as good as the last if not better
0: excellent, where do people find you online my friend?
1: Um, Owen Barney Music on Instagram. Uh, OwenBarneyMusic.com is my website. So go take a look at that. Facebook, uh, Twitter, everything is Owen Barney Music. So.
0: Owen, thanks very much for hanging out with my friend. You got an amazing story, and all the best
1: to you. Anytime. I appreciate you taking the time, my friend. It's great chatting with you.
0: Thanks for listening to Inside Today's Country with Tim Black. Don't forget to like and subscribe.
1: This has been a Tim Black on Air.com production.